So as uh, we've looked over the last couple of weeks, we've been just building up to this point. We've looked at the sower. We looked at our excuses as a sower. How many of you come up with excuses? <laughs> I got some of y'all with your hands still up. Uh, but, you know, we come up with excuses. But we looked at the seed and we looked at the soil of the heart. All of these things have helped us to develop a heart for people and a heart for souls. Because undoubtedly, uh, when, when, uh, when I pray and I pray for people, I pray for people who are lost, I ask God to help me see people as eternal souls. I want Him to help me see them as He sees them. Uh, remember, when Christ looked upon the multitudes, He was moved with compassion because He saw the multitudes differently than we see them. If I'm in a place like Silver Dollar City where there are thousands of people packed in too small of an area, I often see people as an inconvenience or a nuisance. Why? Because they're an obstacle to my objective of riding every ride in the theme park. Can I get it? Am I the only one here? All right. I'm not the only carnal person in this place. But when Christ looked at the multitude, he looked at them differently. And the Bible says that he was moved with compassion. He was brought to tears. He didn't see them as an inconvenience that he had to feed or take care of or as a nuisance, but he saw them as people with eternal souls that will one day spend eternity in heaven or hell. This kind of godly perspective is eternal. And it, it is something that we must continue to try to foster in our lives. And as we look at uh, this together, we see that the master distractor or Satan will do anything he can from develop, uh, keeping us, to keep us from developing this kind of mindset. And so for a person to have saving faith, what needs to be conveyed? That's what we want to cover tonight. We're going to look at the nuts and bolts of the gospel message, the basic elements of, uh, of who God is, why people are alienated from Him, what Christ has done to uh, mediate the two, and how we must respond. You know, uh, back in the 30s and uh, the early 40s, a uh, Lutheran pastor named Dietrich Bonhoeffer uh, served in, in uh, churches. And now, obviously, we're not going to con agree with every, everything that he said, but he coined a phrase entitled, Cheap Grace. And there's segments of Christianity that have taken uh, to cheapen the grace of God. And they have really uh, changed things. So just say this quick prayer and poof, you're saved. And I just want to just bring us back to these nuts and bolts, the, the basic constructs of salvation. And I want to encourage you, if you're a, 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 someone who's saved tonight, as we prepare our hearts for sharing the gospel, that uh, we take, some, uh, take attention. These are things that we can, should be familiar with. So as we share the gospel with the lost, we're prepared uh, to share with them the truth of, the, of all that, uh, that people need to know. But also, if you're here tonight and you're not saved... In, contained in the message tonight is going to be opportunities for you to understand what Christ has done for you and who you are and how you can get from this point as a sinner to a person who's saved by God's grace. And so as we look at this, and we, if, if you're looking to share the gospel uh, more faithfully, let me just say that as you share the gospel, I've never had, when I shared the gospel with someone here, it's not the same as when I shared over here. It's never like a cookie cutter type of a situation. Uh, you know, follow these five steps and poof, it's, it's done. And, and most of the time, it is just listening to the person talk, listening to the Holy Spirit lead, and sharing the gospel message through the conversation that we have. And that's when they become sensitive to the truth and willing to, to receive Christ as their Savior. And so as we look at this, we look at these essential elements of the gospel. 
this is what it is. We're gonna, there might be times where they're not necessarily going to be presented in one, two, three. This is going to go down the line. But as we present these tonight, these are elements that need to be shared as we talk to people about Jesus Christ and help them to uh, accept Jesus as their Savior. So before we get started, let's have a word of prayer and uh, we'll begin tonight looking at the very first element. Father, again, we come to you and we thank you for the privilege of being together. Lord, this is a privilege. Uh, Lord, it's an honor. Lord, and we are so thankful that we have the opportunity to invest in our spiritual walk tonight. Uh, Lord, through, uh, through the, the message, through the lessons, Lord, through the music, through the fellowship, through the prayer. Lord, all of these elements together are so in incredible in helping us to continue to persevere in a time uh, when Satan wants to do so much to discourage and destroy Christians today. And so, God, I just pray that you would give these families uh, a special blessing uh, for their effort to be at church tonight. And, Lord, would you just give them a special uh, strength and energy. I know even at this time of day, my energy is wearing out and I'm tired. And so I pray that you would allow those distractions and those things that uh, would try to bog us down, uh, Lord, to, to, to be removed. And allow us to be able to hear from you uh, as we just desire to, to grow in our, our desire to, under, to share the gospel, grow in our ability to share the gospel so that, Lord, you might be glorified therein. We love you, Father, and we pray for the lost, Lord, tonight, that you would continue to extend mercy, that, Lord, we would be able to get into our community and share with them the hope of Christ. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look here together, we're going to begin with the very first thing in my mind, which is the greatest thing, is the holiness of God. And uh, now, again, this is not necessarily in an order, but this is something that's important. Because as we share the hope of the gospel with people, especially in a society that is becoming more and more post-Christian, most people view God vastly different than the biblical understanding of who God is. Uh, matter of fact, recently, a few, just a few years ago, Hollywood produced a series of uh, films about the Bible. I, I don't remember exactly what year, maybe 2012 or something like that. And one of those films that came out was the, was the terrible movie Noah. It was very fictitious and disastrous, and it was very misleading of the biblical account of all that happens. Now listen, I, I say that to say when people think about God, what they know about God that we interact with every day has been learned from social media posts, has been learned from movies that they've watched, from their circle of influence. That's what they know about God. And if so, if you're, you're not a regular attender to church, if you don't read the Bible, then your understanding of God is going to be a, probably different than what the Bible represents God as. And so as we think about this, we just want to be able to share the truth about God. Because think about this, all, all of who God is, He is a loving God, right? We say He is a righteous God, a holy God. And we know those things to be true. But a lot of people will think, of, okay, God is love. So if God is love, how do we balance the, a loving God with a world that is full of cancer? How do we balance a loving God with a world that has war? How do we balance a loving God with all of these, these conundrums around us? And so they reject Him and His influence, mostly because they don't understand Him. Many atheists today were church attenders at one point or another. But they did not understand the God of the Bible. And so when disaster strikes, they were like that seed that was planted on the rocky soil we talked about uh, last week that grows quickly but in the fire of the trial, it withers away. So this makes our job about teaching the gospel and the holiness of God essential to, uh, to what God wants us to do tonight. Now, you look at the word holy, 
I, I included in your notes there just a definition of holy. It means moral and ethical wholeness or perfection, freedom from moral evil. Holiness is one of the essential elements of God's nature required of His people. And holiness may also be rendered sanctification or godliness. The Hebrew word for holy denotes that which is sanctified or set apart for divine service. So we think about God literally to, to sum it up. It means God is completely and totally without sin. Uh, he, he can't be near it. He can't be around it. And so when we talk about God, I want you to just point out some scriptures together with you tonight that deal with the fact that God is utterly holy and His law demands perfect holiness, okay? So if you want to, you can look in your Bible or in your notes and you look to the book of Leviticus and we'll look at chapter 11 and verses 44 and 45 here in the Old Testament. He says, For I am the Lord your God... Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defy yourselves uh, uh, with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Later in the book of Joshua, we see that this same truth has been played out at at the end of the book, in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 19. It says, And Joshua said unto the people, you cannot serve the Lord, for He is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive uh, your transgressions nor your sins. Now, I just want to point out that he says the, the holiness of God in this context, in this passage here, he's pointing to God's holiness, His separateness from sin in, uh, in his life. Book of 1 Samuel as well, 1 Samuel 2, 2, it says, Therefore, oh, excuse me, there is none holy as the Lord, for there is none beside thee, neither is there any rock, like our God. Or later in 1 Samuel 6 and verse number 20, it says, And the men of Bethshemesh said, Who is able to stand before this holy Lord God? And to whom shall he go up from, uh, from us? See, this is, this is an incredible concept when we consider the fact that God is holy. And in a world that, said, that wants to bring God down to our level, we, the Bible says that God is much higher than us. He is, uh, the Bible says in Isaiah 55, He is higher than, uh, than us in, in all of His thoughts and His actions and all of He is. But this is not an Old Testament concept. It's also seen in the New Testament. 1 Peter 1.16, uh, one that I, I often go to, it says, Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Or Hebrews 12.14, Follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Let me ask you, how hard is it to be holy? Okay, hard. Thank you very much. I got some of you going like this. Uh, my teachers used to tell me the head. There's no. Uh, there's no. No rattle in your head. I can't hear it shake or rattle or roll. You know, God. God is holy, and He says, calls us to be holy, doesn't He? And He calls us to to this kind of separateness from sin. And because He is holy, God hates sin. Right? Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me. Listen, God, is, God hates sin. And He wants us to be separate from sin in our life. And because God is holy, the reality is that as a sinner, without Christ, I cannot stand before Him. Psalms chapter 1 and verse number 5 says, Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You see, in reality of God's perfection and God's holiness, 
it brings us to the next element of the gospel, and that's our personal problem with sin. You see, when we see God and who He is and, and His high and, and uh, his, his place of holiness, then it makes us realize that we cannot be Him. Remember, one of the most basic scriptures that we share with our kids and we encourage them to memorize is Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I can't come to, uh, to the measure of God's holiness because of my sin in my life. And so we all have a problem. Now we've said the gospel is defined as what? The good, the good news. What truly makes good news good news is not just that heaven is free, but that sin has been conquered by God's Son. You see, yes, I'm a sinner, but God has conquered sin. On the, with His death and burial and resurrection, I'm telling you that He has victory over sin. 1 Corinthians 15 teaches us that beautiful truth. And so salvation is the remedy for the sin problem. And we'll get to that a little bit more as we go along. But first, I want you to see that, that in Scripture... That God teaches us that we are sinners and that God calls us to repentance and obedience in our life. And so Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, Jesus said this and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. Paul also told the church in Romans, in Romans chapter 10 and verse number 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in that heart that God hath saved him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So we see this, this importance of repentance, of obedience, of confession here. And at Pentecost, Peter even preached in Acts 2.38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And finally, in the epistle of John, I'll just give you one more, John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life, and he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. There's many other examples that we could go on in, but, but Jesus and the apostles did not hesitate to use the law in their evangelism and say, listen, we're sinners. Matter of fact, Romans 3.20 says, Therefore by the deeds of the law there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. You see, the law became a tool of God to instruct and to lead us to Christ. When I come to the law and I see all of these different instructions that, and these commandments that I'm supposed to keep, I don't know about you, I can't keep ten of them, let alone everything else that's written in the, in the Old Testament. How many else is with you? Y'all going to be honest tonight? All right. You know, those ten sometimes can be the hardest one to keep. Even, even if, it, if we, we work really hard and we, we maybe take steroids so we can do it, it's impossible to do it. But by God we can, and by His grace. And so it becomes a tool of God, therefore, to instruct and lead us to Christ. And Galatians 3.24 says, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. So the law points to the sinfulness of man. And if we were to take the Old Testament and we look through it, and we would see all those different things, there's not one of us in here that could stand and say, I've kept them all. Only Jesus could do that. We're all sinners. And so it is the means by which God uses to make a sinner see their own helplessness. And so if we want to follow a biblical model, we can't ignore the sin of man. We can't ignore the demand for righteousness or the coming judgment. And therefore, we point people to the truth that they have a personal problem with sin. 
you, I have a personal pro- had a personal problem with sin before Jesus, and if you've not accepted Jesus, you have a personal problem with sin. So, let me ask this. How can a person realize they need salvation if they don't accept, first accept the fact that they're a sinner? Jesus stated in Mark 2, 17, When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. There's this weird, weird thought in the world that only holy people can come to church. Or I've got to clean up my life just so I can come to church. But the reality is you come to the Lord in your sin and He does the cleaning. So to offer salvation to someone who does not even understand the gravity of sin is, to, is actually a fulfilled prophecy that Jeremiah 6.14 wrote. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. So let's look at a couple of truths about sin very quickly. Sin makes true peace impossible for unbelievers. In other words, you're not okay. And you know, sometimes we talk to people about the Lord and they say, Don't worry about me, preacher, I'm okay. Don't worry about what about me. I've got me and God, we got an understanding. Well, listen, his understanding's written out in the Bible. And if we don't abide by what God's written in the Bible, then you don't have a, as clear of an understanding as you think. Isaiah chapter 57 and verse 20, it says, But the wicked are like the troubled sea, when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. You see, sin brings consequences, and these consequences bring fear into a life, just like he's talking about in Isaiah here. And so there's no peace in his life, and there's just continual turmoil. And so there is a problem uh, with this not uh, keeping peace from coming into the believer's life. But there's also a problem with separation from God. You see, because we're separated from God, then we can't have peace with God. It destroys peace uh, in, in a person's life if, if you're an unbeliever. Also, uh, we, we mentioned this briefly, but I just want to lay out some scripture here for you. All have sinned. This is so important. As we talk about uh, this truth of sinners, it's my problem, it's your problem, it's a universal problem. We all are sinners. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth, there is none that seeketh after God. You see, nobody can claim he's going to heaven because he is a good person. Because this is a lie, because there is none good, not one. And so all have sinned. There is all of us in this room. Uh, whether, uh, no matter who you are, we're all sinners. Sinning is simply to come short of the glory of God. Have you done that? Lord knows I have, but I'm thankful for the grace of God. And we're going to get there in a second. So sin also makes the sinner worthy of death. Now this is important for us to realize as we deal with sin uh, and we deal with, share the gospel with someone, not only are they a sinner, but the punishment of that sin is death. Now not just I'm going to stop breathing one day, but Revelation chapter 20 deals with this kind of death as he talks about the second death in the lake of fire. This is an eternal death in hell. James chapter 1 and verse 15 says, Then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin, and when sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. And so we see here that there is a, a pronouncement of death here. Give me just one moment. It looks like I have misplaced a, a page in my notes. Well, 
That's all right. You're not going to get that page of my notes. Congratulations. I think the next scripture may be Romans 3.23, but I'm not sure. It may be in your notes there in front of you. Somehow or another, I got it mixed up. So the next thing that we see in our list is, is going to be something. Go ahead and give me the next, the next one, the next slide. Uh, sinners can do nothing to earn salvation. Okay, good. So as we look at this tonight, as we, we consider the scripture and all that God has done for us, we realize that we cannot earn salvation. Well, there's nothing that I can do to merit my way to God. There's, there's, I, I can't I allow my good to outweigh my bad. And so as we look at this, we see that God calls us then to recognize that it's only by grace we are saved. Go ahead with that next slide, Abby, as we go there. There it is. Oh, maybe too far. I thought you had a scripture there. But we are all as an unclean thing, Isaiah 64, 6. Yeah, there we are. But we all, it's an unclean thing, and all of our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. There's obviously, there's no doubt in my life, and my mind, that God has made it plain. We can't earn our way to God, we can't uh, earn our way to heaven, for by grace are you saved through faith. And he says explicitly in Ephesians 2, 9, not of works, lest any man should boast. And so we have this, this, this plain speaking of God that you can't earn your way to heaven. And so we, we see here that, uh, that then the next thing we need is that, uh, go ahead and go on to the, to the next point. Thank you. Let's look at the work of Christ. This is the next thing that we've got to share with folks. Sorry, I don't know what happened to my notes. Printed them off, cut them, put them in my, my binder, and they're gone. So, probably somewhere in the floor in my office. But we see that the number three thing, this is very important for us to see because when we look at our own sinfulness, we look at the universality of sin, that all of us are sinners, we can't earn our way to God, that we need something or someone to intercede on our behalf. And this is where the work of Christ really steps in, and this is what is so incredibly wonderful for us tonight as we see uh, who God is and what He has done for us in our life. And so, first and foremost, we see He is eternally God. Now, this is, this is good. We've been studying this in 1 John, or John chapter 1, the eternality of God and who He is. And He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, and we see the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And so, we see Jesus Christ here at the beginning through all time. And then verse number 14 as well says, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so we see here who Jesus is, and it's important for us to see that He is eternal. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 9, for in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In order to understand what God has done, this, we, uh, the sinner needs to understand who Christ is. He is Lord of all. Isn't that good tonight? Aren't you thankful that we serve uh, Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all? He's the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He's the first and the last, and He's the one that we come to tonight by faith and confidence and trust and believe and know that He is God. And so let's look at some scripture together. Revelation chapter 17 and verse 14. These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for He is Lord of lords and King of kings. And they that are with Him are called, are called and chosen and faithful. Isn't that good tonight? He is the victor. 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, it says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. Why? Because he is Lord. Or Acts chapter 10 and verse 36, The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. Isn't God good? But he being Lord... This is the incredible thing that God did. He chose to become a man. We mentioned Philippians 2, 8 and 9 just a while ago, but if you back up just a couple of verses to verses 6 and 7, it says, "In Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. I, think, I don't think we fully grasp this truth. The fact that God of, of the universe would leave the glory of who He is in heaven and come to this earth and be born in the image of a man. But not just to be born, to be also be crucified for us. What an incredible thing that God did. Now it's also important that we share the fact that Jesus is utterly pure and sinless. Listen, these are doctrines that the world has corrupted and these are things that the world has abandoned because they don't fit their narrative that they want. And so let's look at the scripture, though, because it's important that we see the truth of who Christ is, that he is pure, he is sinless, he is the only one that is worthy to have died for us in our place. Hebrews 4.15, For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like we, as we are, yet without sin. Or 1 Peter 2.22, talking about Christ, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Or 1 John 3, 5, and you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. See, that's who Jesus is. He's God. He came to this earth, was born as a man. He lived perfectly, sinlessly, and then that sinless one became a sacrifice for our sin. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 says, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. Or Titus 2.14 says, who gave himself for us. Where did he give himself for us? On that cross that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. That's what Jesus has done for us. He died on the cross to provide a way of salvation to sinners. If, if someone is lost, I'm telling you what, this is what Jesus has done. God knew that you were a sinner. God knew that you couldn't save yourself. You couldn't earn your way to heaven. You couldn't hope that this magical scale of balance would balance things out. And so he sent his only begotten son into the world that, that he might die on your behalf and provide salvation to you and me. 1 Peter 2.24 says, Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live under righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. Or Colossians 1.20, it says, And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in, in heaven. Listen, that's what Jesus did for us. His death on the cross brought a reconciliation and where there was a broken relationship, where there was a separation. Now God has bridged that gap and He's brought us back to, uh, together through His death. But listen, He didn't stay dead in the grave, amen? He didn't stay in that grave 
but for three days. It was a borrowed grave. He gave it back to Joseph, and Joseph could use it later because Jesus wouldn't need it anymore because he rose triumphantly from the dead. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 says, And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of, uh, from the dead. Listen, His resurrection declared to the world that He is who He said He was, and He is the Son of God. Romans chapter 4 and verse 25 says, Who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Or 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4, which we often talk about being the passage that describes the gospel. He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to what, church? The Scriptures. Listen, we can stand triumphantly on the reality that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Great book if you ever want to dive in a little deeper on some of the apologetics regarding that. Lee Strobel's book on, uh, uh, on A Case for Christ, a good research there. Sinners are separated from God because of their sin. We don't have access to Him through prayer, and we're alienated from the fellowship experienced by those who know their Father. So this is what Christ did. He died, He was buried, and He rose again to make it possible for us to be reconciled to Him. 1 Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that He might bring us to God and put to death in the flesh, uh, but quickened by the Spirit. That's what Jesus has done. So Jesus Christ has to be the central element in, in the gospel. Obviously, when we talk about sharing or witnessing with the gospel, it's more than just telling people, uh, you know, uh, if you want to have a good life, you've got to come to Christ. It's, listen, people need to realize that they're sinners. People need to realize what Jesus has done for them. Jesus, people need to realize that God is holy and righteous, but also they must realize what God demands from them. Because we look at this, it's not just a decision, but it's a forsaking of everything else we trust and a turning to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. You see, at the center of evangelism, at the center of, our, our, of soul winning, is the call for a person to stop being a slave of sin and become a slave of God. And it starts with repentance. Luke chapter 9 and verse 23, he says, And he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. Can you imagine what, the, what it meant for Christ in that day to say, take up the cross? Today we, we post it on our wall. Maybe if you're a lady, you wear it on a necklace around your neck. Uh, you know, maybe you have a sticker of a cross on your car. We use it in our, our logo on our church. But for Christ to say to take up his cross meant literally to die to self. I mean, literally, listen, I'm going to, I'm willing to lay my life down and walk through this gruesome death so I can follow Jesus. That's what it meant, uh, what Christ meant. Luke 9, 62 says, And Jesus said unto him, No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. And, and, and again in John 12, 26, he says, If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. Listen, he says, it's time to repent. It's time to, to turn from your sins and turn to Christ. Trust him 
as Lord and Savior. Listen, these are not, uh, these are not works that I'm doing. It's a heart belief. It's a heart repentance. It's a desire to turn from the direction I'm going and return to Jesus Christ. It's forsaking all others and forsaking all else. I choose Jesus Christ. And this is exclusive. I get it. In a world that's pluralistic, I know it's exclusive. But the Bible is very plain and very clear that salvation only comes through Jesus. And we cannot hedge on this truth. We cannot, we cannot uh, even give a little bit. It's not Jesus and Buddha or Jesus and your other uh, beliefism. It is Jesus only that saves tonight. So trust Him. Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, it said, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. Romans 10, 9 that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And so there must be this trust. I love uh, later in Romans chapter 10 and verses 13 and 14 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, but how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? That is essential to, uh, to this aspect of uh, leading someone to Christ. And then finally, I just want to share with you, count the cost thoughtfully. Salvation is free, amen? amen? Let me say so is joining the army. You don't have to buy your way into the army. Matter of fact, they'll, they'll pay you to join the army, right? Everything you need will be provided, but there's a sense in which following Christ is a lot like joining the army. It will cost you dearly. It can cost freedom. It can cost family, friends, or even your life. You see, the, the job, our job as, as a person who desires to share Christ, as a person who has a soul winner, some is maybe similar to an army recruiter, if you, you could kind of let me get, just give that illustration. Because it tells the potential inductees the full story. We tell them all about Jesus Christ, and we tell them all about what God has done for them. Tell them about who God is and who they are, uh, and the sinner, being a sinner, who, what Christ has done, and then uh, the, how, what they, steps they need to take to be able to join. But there is this sense that we also must draw them to the point of decision. John chapter 12 and verse 24 and 25 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth much fruit. And so let us die to self, because he that loveth his life shall lose it, and he that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Listen, the cross is central to the gospel because of its message. And the message is the awfulness of sin, the wrath of God on sinners, and the efficacy of Christ in, cru uh, in his crucifying the old man. A.W. Tozer said, The cross is the most revolutionary thing ever to appear among men. And it changes a life. I, I, I'm so thankful that it changed my life. I'm thankful that many of you in here who have accepted Christ could share with the difference that Christ has made. You once were lost. You were once on your own direction. You were once going down this path that maybe was comprised of sin and selfishness. And, and, and now since Jesus Christ, your life has been changed and turned around. And, and let me just say that, that when you came to the cross... It, it, it was a reality that you realized this, it's this or nothing. The cross of Roman times knew no compromise. It didn't make concessions. Think about it. It won all arguments by killing its opponent and silencing him for good. 
It didn't even spare Christ, but it slew Him. He was alive when they hung Him on the cross, and six hours later, He was completely dead. The cross always has its way. It wins by defeating its opponents. With perfect knowledge of this, then, Christ said, Luke 9, 23, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And so when we bring people to Christ, what we're doing is we're dying to self. And we're saying, listen, this is time to, to, to die to self and share Christ and, and, and urge them to put their faith in Jesus Christ. Remember 2 Corinthians chapter 5.11 says, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men, but we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences. Listen, it's because we know the truth and the reality of hell. It's not, it's not a fictitious place. Uh, and we know the reality of heaven, and we know the reality uh, of Christ's sacrifice, and, and the fact that if, if someone doesn't put their faith in Christ as their Savior, then they are on their way to a Christless hell for eternity. It's that reality, that terror, that we persuade men. And so listen to the, the Scriptures tonight. Listen to some of the things that, that we, we hear from the Bible that pushes us to urgency in this matter. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 20 says, To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto Himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ that be ye reconciled to God. Isaiah 55, 7, Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Or one that we're most familiar with in Romans 9, uh, 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You see, the reality is, when we're talking to someone about Jesus Christ, we must say, listen, it's time for you to come to Christ. It's time for you to put your faith in Christ. Wouldn't you like, even right now, to put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and be gloriously saved? Because that's the message that we must convey today. That's the message that this world is so desperate and in, 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 in need of today. And, and it doesn't stop there, does it? When someone bows their head and they are saved, boy, what a glorious time and an opportunity to rejoice. But there is a call to baptism as well. Because we recognize this is the very first step of obedience. It's not for salvation, but it is a step of obedience. And we want to encourage people to obey the Lord. I want to, I want to end tonight by just sharing a little bit of a story. David Livingstone, who was a, a wonderful missionary, said that after witnessing to a band of people that had murdered uh, some foreigners, he said this, I had more than uh, ordinary pleasure in telling these murderers of the precious blood which cleanseth from all sin. I bless God that He has conferred on one so worthless, he's talking about Himself, the distinguished privilege and honor of being the first messenger of mercy that, these, uh, that ever trod these regions. You know, you see, there's no greater privilege, there's no greater joy than sharing Jesus with others. I urge you to take these truths 
and to remember them, to take them, take these notes and review them and to go back over them. And so you can be ready to, to tell people about the truth of, of the gospel, the truth of how they can be saved, the truth of what, of what Jesus has done for them, that they're a sinner in need of a Savior, that God is high and holy and because of our sin, we're condemned to die. But Jesus, but Jesus, amen, church? He came and he was willing to leave the glories of heaven and come to this earth and he died on the cross and he was resurrected the third day to bring us victory over our sin. And if you will call upon him tonight and you will put your faith in the Lord and repent of your sins, then you too can be saved. That message is for you. If you've never believed tonight, this Wednesday night, it is February 24th, and God invites you tonight to come and put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved.